The perversion of Bible prophecy by most churches is due to spiritualizing what the Bible says. Just as many Christians spiritualize the days of creation by arguing that they were really eons of time and length, they likewise spiritualize the millennium to be the church age. And they argue that the eternal abode of the redeemed, the new earth, is nothing but code language for heaven. This week on Connecting the Gap, we continue our study on prophecies of the Bible, and we get on deeper into Matthew as we continue on into the New Testament, and we'll get into that right after this. Welcome once again to Connecting the Gap. I'm Daniel Moore, your host of this podcast. Thank you once again for joining me. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. I truly appreciate your prayers and everything that you do to help support me here with my ministry at Connecting the Gap. And uh, you can go to my website, connectingthegap.net, if you're not familiar with my podcast, and you can check it out there, find out what this ministry is all about. We're here for Bible study to learn things about God's Word. And uh, right now we're doing a study on the end times. It's been a pretty extended study. We've got a little bit of a ways to go. So if you haven't been uh, listening to this podcast, you're going to have a lot of catching up to do. Uh, But they're all about 15 to 20 minutes in length. So it shouldn't take too long if you sit and binge on them for a day. Uh, But for those of you who have been keeping up, I hope you've been enjoying the study and learning from it as I've been learning as well as we've been going through the study on prophecies of the Bible. This is based on a study by Damon Duck. And I want to thank you once again for being here with me today. And we're going to go ahead and get started so we can get through as much material as possible in this time allotment that we have. And we are continuing on into Matthew this week in our study on prophecies of the Bible. We're going to start off with some statements here by Mike Gendron. What is apostasy? That is the falling away from the faith. Where will apostates come from? They will actually come from the church. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. You can read about that in Acts chapter 20, verse 29. What will apostates look like? They're going to look like servants of righteousness, as 2 Corinthians 11, verse 15 says. Where will apostates fall away too? Not to atheism, but to a false Christianity. That's in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 32, what happened to the shrub I planted? Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a tiny mustard seed that grows into a tree and becomes the resting place for birds. Ordinarily, the mustard seed should grow into a large shrub. It should never grow into a tree. So there is something unusual here, and birds represent the wicked in the parable of the sower. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven will experience abnormal growth. It will begin small like a tiny mustard seed and grow much larger than it should. And wicked people will flock to it. This is consistent with the parable of the weeds where Jesus taught that there are two sowings, one of God and one of the devil. 
If the kingdom of heaven had only true believers, it would be like a shrub. But because of the corruption introduced by the devil, it is more like a tree. In fact, it will be like a tree that has become the resting place of many unbelievers. There is only one gospel. It tells people everything they need to know. God's true servants preach and teach this gospel. They speak the truth. They may make a few mistakes, but they never knowingly contradict what it says. They strive hard to stay with the fundamentals of the faith, the deity of Jesus, the virgin birth of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus as well. But Jesus wants us to know that many lost people join the church. Some attend seminary. Some teach in seminaries and preach in church. They are of the devil, but they have made the church their nesting place. To say they are Christians and contradict what Jesus said is a sure sign that something is wrong. Those who constantly do this are false teachers and their doctrines are false. They should not be believed. People should study the Bible and compare what they hear to what the Bible says. They should determine who is telling the truth and who should not be believed. To follow someone who stands behind a pulpit and contradicts what the Bible says is to invite disaster. They may say it doesn't matter what the Bible says, but Jesus taught that it does. He even taught that it will become a great problem in the church and grow worse at the end of the age. That's the clear implication of the mustard shrub growing into a tree with the birds of the air on all of its branches. Mike Gendron posts a few questions. Who will fall away? The professing Christians who have not been justified. That's 1 John 2, verse 19. What will the great apostasy look like? It'll look like a revival in the form of godliness without power. That's 2 Timothy 3, 5. What is the major cause of apostasy? Well, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. That's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3-4. Some scholars refer to the kingdom of heaven as professing Christendom or the organized church. Those who use these terms believe there are true Christians and false Christians, a true church and a false church, true believers and make-believers. They believe it is the false church or make-believers that turn the kingdom of heaven into a monstrosity, a perch for the wicked, etc., this is partly true. The kingdom of heaven does include professing Christendom, but it will also include all those good and bad Christian and Jews who will claim to be people of faith after the church is raptured. The kingdom of heaven began small with just one person, Jesus. Twelve were added when the disciples joined him. More were added when crowds began to follow and believe. Many true believers, Christians and Jews, will be added after the rapture, but most of them will be killed. The false church will add large numbers of New Agers, Satan worshippers, cults, and the like. This is why some will be weeded out at the second coming and cast into the fiery furnace. In Matthew chapter 13, there is a perplexing parable. Verse 33 says, Another parable he spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leavened. Commentators are divided over the interpretation of this parable. The premillennial, or the view that Christ will return before the millennium view, is that Jesus was saying the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, false teachings, that a woman, or the false church, took and mixed into a large amount of flour, which was processed grain, or seed, sons of the kingdom, or the children of God, until it all worked through the dough, or until the kingdom was corrupted. The post-millennial view, which is the view that Christ will return after the millennium, is that Jesus was saying the kingdom of heaven is like 
yeast, or the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough, or until the gospel had impacted the whole world. The premillennial view is compatible with the teaching that Satan is sowing weeds in the kingdom, and that birds or the wicked people will flock to it. And the postmillennial view is compatible with the teaching that the kingdom of heaven will start small and become great. The idea that the church will preach the gospel and convert the world simply does not mesh with other Bible teachings. In the Olivet Discourse, Jesus deemed it necessary to warn the world about the end of the age deception four times. He did that in Matthew 24, verses 4 through 5, verse 11, and verse 24. Paul clearly taught that there will be a great falling away and a persecution of true believers at the end of the age in 2 Thessalonians 2.3 and 2 Timothy 3.12. He clearly said impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived in 2 Timothy 3.13. He even added that people will not endure sound doctrine and will turn away from the truth to fables in 2 Timothy 4.3-4. The church is not bringing in a converted world. It's facing a wicked world. It's not bringing in a world that loves Jesus. It's facing a dangerous world that is hostile to Jesus. Our Lord didn't say the church will win the world. He said the world will wind up like it was in the days of Noah and Lot when wickedness was rampant. It would be more accurate to believe God is bringing Israel back on the scene because the church is failing. John Walford stated, Most interpreters, influenced by the post-millennium view, which was so dominant in the latter 19th and early 20th centuries, identified the yeast as the gospel which spreads through the world. The concept that the yeast is the gospel, however, is an arbitrary deduction, since throughout Scripture, yeast always refers to something contrary to holiness and representing evil. Mike Gendron gave four steps to the apostasy in Second Timothy. He first said they turn away from the apostate teachings in 115, and they reject the standard for truth, chapter 1, verse 13. They teach terror mixed with truth in chapter 2, verse 18, upsetting the faith of some. They oppose the truth in chapter 3, verse 8, and are rejected in regards to the faith. They depart from the faith in chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus was speaking to some religious leaders when he said, Hypocrites! Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me? And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That's in Matthew 15, verses 7 through 9. Could it be said that the modern religious leaders who teach political correctness instead of Bible doctrine are teaching the rules of men? The prophecies in Scripture do not have their origin in the will of man. Since they come from God, it is always right to let the Bible interpret them and never right to impose our own interpretations. The word yeast appears in the Bible almost a hundred times. Over and over again, it is identified as a symbol of evil, but it is never identified as a symbol of the gospel. For this reason, we should choose the premillennial view. False doctrines are being introduced into the church, and the kingdom is being corrupted. More than once, Jesus warned the disciples about this. The true church will be raptured, and the false church will be left behind to enter the tribulation period. The kingdom will continue to grow with God's servants taking in more believers and Satan's servants taking in more pretenders. At the second coming, what's left of the false church will be removed by the angel of God and bound for burning. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, 
we read about an amazing grace. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Here Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, which is Israel hidden in a holy field or the world. When a man, Jesus, found it, which was Israel, he hid it again. He scattered Israel all over the world, and then in his joy went and sold all he had. Jesus left the glories and riches of heaven and bought or redeemed or purchased that field. Premillennialists say this means the kingdom of heaven is like a valuable treasure found in a field. It is so valuable we should be willing to give up everything we possess to purchase it. The problem with this is that the kingdom of heaven cannot be bought. J. Dwight Pentecost was quoted, The purpose of this parable is to depict the relationship of Israel to this present age. Although set aside by God until this age is completed, yet Israel is not forgotten, and this age does have reference to that program. Arno Frost said, Never must we be so naive to think that God has rejected Israel and replaced her with the church. The erroneous conclusion is being made that all the promises given in the Old Testament now belong to the church. Unfortunately, this teaching is widely accepted among established Protestant denominations and reinforced under the leadership of the Roman Catholic Church. This false doctrine, however, is easily refuted because the prophets clearly write about the return of the Jewish people from the dispersion to the land of Israel, giving an abundance of literal geographic reference. God has transferred stewardship over his kingdom to the church, but that stewardship is temporary. The church age will end with the rapture, and the stewardship will return to Israel. There's a few reasons why the church has not replaced Israel. Number one, God made an everlasting covenant to be Israel's God. That was in Genesis 17, verse 7 through 8. Secondly, God promised to save Israel. That's Zechariah 12, 10 and Romans 11, 26 to 29. The kingdom will be restored to Israel. That's Acts 1, verse 6 through 7. Israel's blindness is only until the times of the Gentiles is complete. That's in Romans 10, verse 25. Jesus must still reign as king of the Jews. That's in Luke 1.33. And everything the prophet said has to be fulfilled. That's Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 18. The Jews have been blinded in part and scattered around the world, but they have not been forgotten by God. Jesus redeemed them when he died on the cross for the sins of the world. They are lost and blind, but by the grace of God, they will be saved at the end of the tribulation period when they accept Jesus at his second coming. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of Connecting the Gap as we are continuing our way through Matthew in the New Testament. Again, thank you for joining me this week. I'm Daniel Moore, and this podcast is Connecting the Gap. We're doing a study right now, Prophecies of the Bible. We've made it all through the Old Testament. We've started off the New Testament. We're about halfway through Matthew at this point, and I hope you guys have really enjoyed this so far. Visit my website, ConnectingTheGap.net. There you can see my podcast platforms, also my YouTube channel and my Rumble channel, and you can also check out my blog at as well. Well, I'm out of here until next week. Until then, God's word never fails us. God's word has stood the test of time, and through Jesus' death on the cross, he has connected the gap.